Hey folks, and welcome back to Big Mama Hex Podcast. This is part two of our episode about Elder, Hala, and Polda. And today we're going to be talking with Susan Huff, Hunter Yoder, and Robert Lish. Now, some of these interviews are new. I'm talking to Hunter and Rob recently, and then I actually had a wonderful interview with Susan Hess a few years ago, and it's so fun to listen back because it was a really lovely interview with Susan, and we talk about the elder, and I I had not yet reached a point with the plant um, of acceptance, so it's fun to listen back to and hear how frustrated I was about the overgrowth. But please enjoy this listen, and thank you again to my wonderful guests, Susan, Hunter, and Rob. Max Boot. So welcome, Susan, to Big Mama Hex Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm so excited right now. Me too. There was an image of a woman painted with elderberry ink and I think it was you and I don't know where I saw it, if it was on Instagram or Facebook someone had shared it with you it was so beautiful oh my friend Hilda yeah I never thought of using it that way that's so incredible what a great idea she is a wonderful artist and oh she's God. using all these natural uh, materials now to I, I think elderberry ink doesn't last and so as a dye it doesn't last um, and I think as an ink, even over time, it degrades. And so there's not, um, it, there's nothing really to hold it to make it last forever. Right. It's not archival, but still, even still, I mean, you know, I've used some other things that don't last very long, but are very powerful as well. Um, you know, in my work, <laughs> but, um, but that's okay. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Speaking of, speaking of elderberry, I have to say, <laughs> our elderberry has taken over our lawn. It's amazing, but it's also like, okay, um, Hunter, I don't know elderberry. I only know elderberry in the last couple of years. And I'm like, how, how tall is this? Is exactly going to get, it is gigantic. It is up to our second floor. I would say almost the window and a, a literal jungle. So every year I'm like, Hunter, do you think you could cut that back a little bit? So he cuts it back. No. And then it grows more. Yes, she will. Mm-hmm. So I just perhexed myself. <laughs> <laughs> My mom has a cutting, so, and he, he told me that all of this elderberry came from a cutting from you, so you have given us a great gift here, and it continues to flourish, but she has a cutting, and it's just so beautiful, and then just this small little beautiful little tree, and ours is like a jungle, and my daughter is so connected to it, my middle, and she just says, mom, we can't get rid of it because, like, the birds live in it and stuff, and I don't mean to get rid of it, but I just mean to get rid of it simmer down a little bit but no it is a wild wild woman do you connect do you connect the elder um to Frahala? you know I kind of started to get into it to try and think um of working it out for a piece but it, I got so busy with work like other work um that I never really got to work on a piece of her I did do a mountain Mary piece um but I would love to do a Frahala piece but it's interesting because the German version is very different yeah you know so I mean um, it's very I interesting. Feel like there's too many rules. 
yeah rules of who she is and so yeah like um I'm learning to trust my own inner vision a little bit more now um and and I feel like and this is what I tell to other other students of mine is um, if something speaks to you, you really need to pay attention to that because that's your own personal medicine. Right, Not right. To, like read a book on something and study on it and then make it yours if it's not, if it doesn't feel right. Yeah, for sure. This is Henrietta. She's the middle. She's, the elder. She's the elder fan. We love our elderberry. This is Susan, and she's the person that gave us the elderberry a long, long time ago. Daddy. She said, don't cut it down. I love the jungle. Don't cut it down. <laughs> no, I, no, I never do it. I make Hunter just, just like trim it back. So how can we properly take care of it and, and be honorable and not. You just have to ask permission. That's all. And I wanted to ask you if, if the elder plant spirit, if you associate an animal with it. <laughs> I, don't I don't think that I've ever experienced uh, an animal uh, I've I've never associated an animal with that. Yeah, the birds for us, like they are obsessed with it. Yeah, they love it so much. It's incredible. It's very very cool. Um, so that's that's one thing that I wanted to ask you. So, yeah. So the, so all the little all the little trimmings that he did just planted and. <laughs> You're never going to get rid of it, you know. I, you you know, always I put up side side shoots forever. I never wanted to, but he literally said, like, oh, it's just a tiny bush. And I was like, perfect. Oh, because I'll tell you, he did trick me. He's a trickster. I can never trust him, really. It's very interesting. We we live in Boyertown, which is where my grandparents lived, and my mom grew up. And they would get complaints. My grandmother was a hoarder, but, like, the outside of her house was not that bad. They would get, like, citations for, like, their ivy growing to, like, wild. And I keep saying to him, like, I'm like, I'm a little worried. like, literally, Susan, our entire lawn. And I literally said, let's food, not lawns. Like, let's just F this lawn. Like, let's do this up. But we have, like, stuff growing, like, crazy, right? And I'm like, dude, we're going to get, like, a citation. Has not happened. So we are being protected in some way. So that's very good. <laughs> not worried as long as nobody's giving us any shit. I'm not worried. <laughs> So I went to herb school in the mid nineties and I was kind of lamenting that I did not have any kind of, um, heritage, healing heritage. Um, but the one, when I learned about the Cherokee healing ways, that seemed like the closest to my, um, interests because it was here on right. this continent, not someplace far away. Right. I, I really was interested in um, Cherokee medicine. And I saw in a newspaper, it was probably in the Reading Eagle, I saw that somebody was doing a talk on powwow medicine. It was called mm -hmm. powwow medicine. And it was um, up around Kutztown or I, I can't even tell you exactly where it was. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go because I thought it was Native American medicine way. Right, right, sure. So I went there. And right. as it turned out, it was Jesse doing an hour-long talk about powwow. Wow. Pennsylvania German, which I had no, literally not a single clue about. Right. And we still laugh about this, but <laughs> I sat right in the front row 
like the good student I was, thinking I'm, you know, with a pencil and paper and thinking that I'm going to hear about Native American healing things and I wanted to write it all down. And Jesse, um, I realized, wow, this is a young woman, a young, she was like 25 at the time. I think she was like half my age. And all of a sudden she just opened this door to something I, I never heard. I'm not kidding you when I say literally within five to 10 minutes, the first teardrop came and then the next one. And I sat in the front row and I sobbed almost uncontrollably for an hour to hear this story about powwow and um, how it had to go underground and how it was this complete healing tradition that balance, that was all about balance of male and female and um, plants and agriculture and stars and planets and all that stuff. And it's everything I felt in my bones, but was not able to articulate. And it all came together in that one hour by this 25 year old girl that I had never met before. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I fell apart right in front of the poor speaker. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and afterwards, she came up to me. She said, are you okay? And I said, you can't believe what doors just opened inside of me. We have to, we have to communicate after this. And so we started meeting in Kutztown after that. And, we, and um, she said, there's so much more I have to tell you. And I said, bring it. I'll take whatever it is because I was so hungry in my soul for that. And so she turned me on to Dennis Boyer and all of the information that Dennis Boyer had given to her and Matthew, her husband. And I was probably like their first apprentice. And okay. I said, let's get this all down on paper. I want to know it. I want to integrate it. I want it to be part of my life. And that's kind of what happened. And, and I said, let's do a newsletter. Let's let these, let's let people know um, this information that's kind of like died. Yeah. And that's what we did. That's incredible. Well, just reaching back into speaking about getting older and the elder and Fahala and recognizing um, the thing you mentioned, which I thought was really beautiful, was um, one old woman to another. I want to ask you about your hair. Look at your posts and, and the pictures of you, and I just think you're such a beautiful person. And you're such a beautiful spirit and such a kind person, but you're also a very beautiful person. And I think I, I saw when, I don't know when you went gray, but um, I love it. It's incredible. Well, you know, when, um, so when I was writing the book, in August of 2018, about the time that I signed the contract to write this book, um, I had I had five weeks to write a book. Wow! Oh my goodness! At, at the almost exactly the same time, my mom started to get ill. Oh she my started God. to go downhill, and so. Um, she was hospitalized a number of times during the time that I was writing this book. And so um, 
I think I turned in my, I turned in my, in my final manuscript, and then my mom died just a few days after that, on October, uh, October 23rd of that year. And my mother had this beautiful white, my mother and her sister and my grandmother and all of my grandmother's sisters had this pure white hair. Oh, wow. Well, and I started turning white at like 40. And I just, I was like, no fucking way. I'm not doing this yet. <laughs> I know. So I kept coloring it. Um, but I think when my mom died, and my mom always said, I'm not coloring my hair. I earned every one of these gray hairs. Seriously. Yeah. And, and you know what? When she passed away, um, and I, at 50, when I turned 50, I said, I'm going to stop coloring my hair because I don't need to color my hair. But I never completely embraced it right. until my mom passed away. Um, and I was 59 then. And at that moment, I said, you know what? I earned this gray hair now. I'm not coloring it anymore. Yeah. And so it's taken me from October of 2018 until maybe a few months ago till it's I finally cut off the last of the brown. And so that's oh, all, wow. that's all the real thing now. And it's very liberating, I have to say. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your early life and what are your earliest memories of plants and herbs and, and your, and your like nostalgic feelings for them? What do you think of as your earliest memories of having a connection to those, those plants and herbs? Okay. Well, I always tell my students, <clears throat> the first thing I remember is my great grandfather on my dad's side, which was my dad's grandfather that lived with them. I remember being, um, at my grandparents' property, and he lived there. And I remember him telling me, and he didn't speak very often. He okay. did not talk very often. But I remember him telling me that that plant down there, he told me to taste it. And he said, um, I think he called it arrowhead plant. Oh. It was shaped like an arrowhead. And I tasted it, and I had no hesitation putting something in my mouth to taste, which, you know, mm -hmm. I always tell people now, just like, don't pop something in your mouth to taste it. But right. I did that kind of willingly. And it was very lemony. And it turned out to be um, um, like turkey rhubarb root or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know it now. Um, it's one of the, um, oh, crap, of course, I'm going to forget the name of it. <laughs> it's one of the sorrels sheep sorrel sheep sorrel that's what it is very very lemony plant that oh, is wow. my very first memory of um tasting a plant um and after that you know it kind of skipped into my teenage years when i would have been a little rebellious and kind of ran away like run yeah. away to my parents had four acres, so I would run to different parts of the property when I wanted to be by myself, and it was either up an apple tree or it was down in a swampy area, and I didn't take anybody with me. It was just like me and whatever was growing close by, you know, and I felt like I could make myself invisible by 
climbing an apple tree or hiding in the grasses. I mean, I, I can't say that I, I felt a, a deep connection to plants at that time, but I felt like that's where I would go to hide. What do you want people to know that is often misunderstood? And you could take that any way you want, Pennsylvania Dutch or herbalism, however you'd like to go with that. Um, I, I guess I, I guess I'll go the herbalism route on this one. Um, I think that in, in, um, in, in the olden days and past times, I feel like, um, the difference between learning herbalism long ago and herbalism learning herbalism now is that you learned that thing, you learned those things at the knee of your grandmother or your mom or your great grandmother or your auntie or whoever it was that you were in the garden with and spending time with mm -hmm. over the course of your life. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. um, now it's like a weekend class and suddenly you're, you're posting pictures on social media about how you're making medicines and if anybody wants anything, I'll sell it to you for $20 or, you know, that kind of thing yeah. really, um, is, is a little bit concerning to me yes. that, um, that you can't be, that you can't learn herbalism in a weekend class. Right, right. That really... I, even though I learned herbalism, I started learning herbalism in the 90s, the early 90s, I still feel like I'm learning about plants. I still feel like I don't know enough. Um, even though I have a, a long relationship with some of these plants that goes back 20 years or 30 years, mm -hmm. I still learn something new about them every single year. Um, it's just, it's it's everything that I love is slow learning. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think people know how to slow learn anymore. I saw a decline in the attention span of my students once everybody got an iPhone. That's really true. It's so true because in the brain. Um, yeah. There's like, um, and I have to say, please don't pick up your phone during class because people will Google something or the attention span is just so short. Yes. When I first started teaching, my first classes will remember this, that I used to talk all day and people would just write. I never gave them handouts. They just wrote. Wow. I thought, oh, that's awful. Like, I want to give them something. I feel like my handouts are my art. And yeah. so that's, that's what I do for art is to make these handouts. And, um, but that's, that is kind of the discouraging thing for me is that people's attention span, um, they don't want to do slow learning anymore. That's really That's, true. Yeah. Even my children, you know, five minutes of, of nothing is like, I'm bored, I'm bored. Entertain me. Like, no, we <laughs> can go out and get lost in our elderberry jungle. <laughs> like, go do yeah. something. I mean, we have a tree house. It's really cool. Like, we have this really cool old um, arborvita. It's gigantic. It's like a Van Gogh tree. And, you know, no, you can't say that. <laughs> like, I'm not accepting that. 
go find, go rush, get out of here. I mean, it's really sad to see, but <sighs> the idea of writing notes though is really beautiful to me because I actually see that I miss note-taking a lot. And I see it as a form of art because like calligraphy, fractor, um, anything like that, it's there's and and even just learning cursive, there's such a beauty in that. And 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 then what they've learned about people that doodle, which was a doodler, I was a doodler, is that you actually the impression that the information leaves in your brain because yeah. of that doodle. And I see that with cursive. I feel that. Like the impression that those students must have had versus students later that were like Googling. There's not that actual, um, like they can't see your words verbatim, but this feeling that they had when they were speaking to them, just like how you described when you first heard Jesse speak. And when you said the tears started rolling, it reminded me so much of myself. I mean, Susan, I feel like we're so similar. Um, I had this aha moment recently in, in a practice with someone, vocal coaching, it's, or I don't know what it's called. It's um, vocal exploration, I apologize. Um, <clears throat> and I just flooding because a connection in my head came together and the vision that she was describing, I saw it in my head, you know? And what I really loved about your conversations with Hunter in this book is you kept talking about dreams and dreams are something that I follow very carefully and I see a lot in my dreams. And I think what I'm taking away from our conversation, which reminds me so much of my own practice is there, there's something so sacred and something that's just for you. And then there's something that's for your very small audience that you know you can trust. And that's really good and okay. And, and really being careful. I've tried to be very ethical about not exploiting things. Like you said, you take this weekend class and then suddenly you're selling goods. You know, I try really hard to um, put in the time to learn about the craft and the practices in order to pass it on ethically and and responsibly and slowly. I love that. So thank you so much, Susan. It's been like mind blowing and I'm so glad we had the chance to do this. I almost feel like if it weren't for quarantine, we'd be really too busy or something. I know, right? I really appreciate your time. This has been beautiful and I really look forward to collaborating with you. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I appreciate your time so much, Susan. And I, and I wish you the best and I hope you have a wonderful wonderful um next couple months and and i hope we open up and we can all get together again and i would oh, love to be fun i would love to take your class that would be so much fun get myself back to jersey <laughs> well thanks so much susan and have a wonderful night max good thank you good bye Hello and welcome back. We're joined now with my wonderful husband, Hunter Yoder, um, to talk with us again here on Big Mama Hex, this time about his experiences with Elder, Elderberry, and or Frohala. So welcome, Hunter. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, I really awesome. enjoy your podcast. <laughs> How many times have you listened? Every time. Every single time. <laughs> I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> All right, so you've shared some stories with me, some personal stories about, particularly I'm interested in um, your stories about interacting with Elder as a child because it's, it's always fun to listen to you talk about your childhood because it's also so, um, what's the word, whimsical to me. Yeah, and just really magical, you know, because I grew up in the suburbs, so your experience was very different. So. I wanted to ask you about that. And then I also wanted to ask you about how we ended up with our elder patch. 
I don't know how to describe it. I'd love to hear that story too because I also really love that story. So if you could start off with um, your earliest memory of elder and and coming upon the plant. Sure. Um, well, my uh, first encounter with the elder um, was actually in Sullivan County. My parents had a uh, a uh, vacation place up there. It was like started off as a deer hunting lodge and then they got fixed up and, and they had a nice property up there and uh, <clears throat> uh, it's very stony up there and I guess they, they at one point there was a lot of orchards and they did try to do some farming but they actually picked all the rocks out of the fields and right they have these huge piles of rocks located uh, sporadically around the place and um, in these rock piled areas is where I first encountered uh, the elder. My mother would make elderberry uh, jam um, and we would uh, pick elderberry for that. I mean, there was also blackberries, blueberries, <clears throat> raspberries up there. And I was, I, I was and still am an avid picker, hunter, gatherer type guy. So, um, I was maybe eight years old. And then um, later on, um, I, I was in uh, college, a <laughs> freshman in college, needed housing, and um, decided that I would build an authentic um, a Blackfoot TP and live in it and, um, and go through. I read a book and went through all the steps of, of what was used by the, the Blackfeet Indians and um, it also included the elder and the elder was uh, cut and the bark removed uh, for lacing pins on the TP. Uh, the TP is like a coat you put it on and then you lace it up this up the front. Um, so um, I I <clears throat> used it in that context. This was in the 70s, like early 70s. Um, and uh, so I had familiarity with it. Uh, and I, I would just say, should I do me to continue? Yeah, sorry. I just didn't. I'll cut that part out. Go ahead. Okay. So I would just say that any, um, any uh, contribution I can make or my strong uh, point is in my actual uh, physical contact with this stuff and not so much stuff in books but my own personal uh, direct experience with uh, plants and and the rest yeah it's really interesting because your story about your stories about plants and and the elder actually reminds me a lot of Susan Hess's story because she also first encountered a lot of the uh, plants that then she was interested in and studied. So it was sort of um, a very um, natural progression. And so I, I really appreciate that. And that's sort of how I approach art as well. It's like through the visual um, aesthetic, not necessarily through books and interest in researching, but rather interested through the visual. So that's very, very cool. Um, I'm curious now, when you were in college, you fast-tracked pretty pretty rapidly. Like, where did you find the elder for the TP? Oh, 
Do you remember? It was a, it was yeah, a I, fun I cut, time. No, I, cut, <laughs> I cut the lodge poles and then I had to remove the bark. And the elder. Where do you think you found I it? I think it might have been up in Sullivan County. Oh, okay. It might have so been there. What was the reason that they, like, what properties did it have that would that would make it something so specific that they would want you to use that? Because the bark is. I think they used it for arrows. Also, mm. it's very the it's very light. Yeah. And um, it's straight. It's not very sturdy, though. And and the what? No, it's not. Um, okay. But the lacing pins were only maybe a foot long. Oh, okay. Or maybe a little longer. And then you you uh, the one end you you carve down to a point. And you also remove the bark, and then the wood was in such a way that it had, uh, um, you know, irregularities, so that when you put the, the lacing pin in the canvas, um, it wouldn't slide right out. It was, um, it would remain in place. So um, that that was uh, why it was used. And I'm trying to think what else. I mean, uh, living in, in the, the, the Blackfoot teepee was an incredible experience. You just had like a uh, direct uh, connection with the weather at all times. And, uh, and, and then when the fire on the inside with the smoke flaps, and you knew the direction of the wind, uh, and the fire at night was really great. And, uh, I had a great, I had a ball until it got too cold. Yeah, how long were you? <laughs> Were you there? Because I know I saw a picture. Was it of your brother in front of it? There was a picture that I did see. Yes. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah. How was, long about were you there? And it was. Oh, like I did it over right? several years. I mean, it, I mean, in the winter. You know, oh, you just yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I ended up in Crumbsville in the storefront that I rented up there, um, and had as a studio, and, and also I think I also ended up. I had a studio also in Kutztown behind Mrs. Ruth, the fortune teller. Uh, That's Bank so Street. perfect. Yeah. So was the TP actually in Kutztown? Was it on that No, property? it was out on uh, Greenwich Township. Oh, okay. And um, I had my own postal, uh, postal address and I had uh, electricity. Wow. And, um, it was an 18-foot diameter. Wow. And, uh, we should build one for the kids. They would love that. It's yeah. very cool. Um. Okay, so let's let's talk about so so let's just let's just uh, rewind for a moment. When your mom was making the jam and the elderberry jam, um, mm -hmm. were you sort of help helping her with that, or was I it would, more you would pick the berries? Uh, were you part of the process of the actual? I'm jam? sure I was also helping her in the kitchen, but mostly I was up there. I would uh, pick. Yeah. And I picked a lot of stuff, um, and I still do. Uh, it's just something that I right now I got to pick uh, it's almost time for me to pick those uh, snap peas yes and we just what we just cut the elder flowers and made uh, uh, fritters elder uh, flower fritters yes but holler bluma fritters in Dutch yeah I'm just curious about that and also remember Mervyn told us that they would pick wild strawberries and make jam out of it oh yeah we did that too yeah, yeah the rule the rule the it's tiny ones, world. yeah. Yeah. And I remember he said Johnny Ott would pay them. Maybe in candy. <laughs> Fifth Avenue. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, um, he's a nice guy. I love I love hearing these stories of the area that you grew up in because it like I mentioned, it seems like such a magical place. And I know you talked a lot about just 
walking and walking and walking and getting lost and just, you know, letting, you know, nature guide you or whatever. Um, no, I wouldn't get lost. Um, but I, I, I meant lost in, like, time and space. You would just yeah, I mean, surrender to nature, I Yeah, guess. it was before I had my driver's license, so uh, it would be, we would, me and friends would uh, maybe, like, walk off from my house to their house all night long and then back. Yeah. And I knew all, like, the off-road uh, paths uh, to avoid uh, being blinded by headlights. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, so fast forward to a little bit before we met. Um, when did Elder come back into your life after the TP? Had um, it been something that, because you spent some time in New York. Did you encounter it there at all, or how uh, did no? How did we end up with our um, oh okay um, patch now? <laughs> I I um this is a well known story. I uh, got involved with plant uh, teachers and plant energy, and uh, one of my primary plant teachers was uh, San Pedro cactus, uh, <clears throat> which is. Um, has the same similar, very similar properties to uh, peyote. It's, uh, mescaline is one of the primary alkaloids. So on um, a San Pedro trip, uh, I was um, I was into shamanism at the time. I, and it's, it's used in uh, South American shamanism. Anyway, I was instructed through the plant, which is an incredible, incredible plant. Very, uh, very. Uh, positive it's a very positive experience and it gives you insight into your entire life anyway i was instructed to return to berks county i was living in brooklyn at the time and that the shamanism i sought was there so through a search doing like berks county shamanism like i came up with uh or uh, powwow magic um, and, and then through that, I joined a group, uh, Hexenkunst, uh, Yahoo group, and, and on that group um, were, um, was uh, Susan Hess, and Susan Hess uh, was working with uh, uh, um, Toby. Jess and to Jesse Tobin, yeah. yeah. Three sisters, they had a little organization and a, a publication, and um, so at one point, I came down and stopped. She had a place in Coventry, and she had uh, elder plants, and she had all her her other herbs and, and, and plants, and uh, she gave me one. And then I uh, took it to, to back to Brooklyn, where I was living, and I grew it there. And it, it grew into a huge bush. And um, so was it in the ground in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, in the backyard. Oh, wow. And then I had rabbits there. I had, like, hundreds of rabbits. And I, <laughs> I had to actually put a fence around the bush. Um, oh, my gosh. Why? Because it was dangerous for them? No, no, no. They would eat the damn thing. <laughs> and they they even figured out, they after a while, they started burrowing. And, uh, oh, my Rabbits, God. you leave them alone long enough, they start digging holes. And uh, they were eating the roots and... Uh, it was doing very well. And so then I bought a place in Philadelphia and, um, around 2008, and I took a couple cuttings and rooted them out. And I took it down, I guess, three, two or three. 
And uh, I had them in pots for a long time there. Didn't plant them in the ground in Philly. And then I bought a place here in Boyertown and uh, we moved here. And then I finally planted them uh, here. Yeah, you planted one and you said it's a small bush. Right. <laughs> and you tricked me. Well, yeah, that was, <laughs> I tricked you a lot. Yeah, indeed. But um, at, speaking of surrender, I've come to surrender myself because she's certainly not going anywhere and uh, have grown to really love our elder. But I'm curious if you find, um, do you feel that you connect to the plant spirit or or for Hala or anything like that? Like, do you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say you, to characterize um, elder, um, I was interested in trees as goddesses. Mm -hmm. And this goes way back into the, uh, I guess, Neolithic period, um, where trees were worshipped. Anyway, the elder was um, was one of those, and it's it's kind of curious. It's a bush, but um, anyway, I would I would say that you could characterize the, the goddess Hala as like dark feminism, which I, I was always attracted to, sort of like. Uh, um, not just the fertility aspect, but the uh, the dark side of feminism. And uh, she is always close to the water table. She, where when she grows in in the natural world, mm -hmm. it's usually in the, uh, it could be in the floodplain. Um, I think that's where she prefers, although she'll grow anywhere. Um, and. So she has this connection to the water table, the well, and and then I think if you look at uh, some of the um, Grimm Brothers Grimm and some of those uh, stories about um, the, the the daughters that go down into the well yeah. and then they yeah. go to a different world, and so I think uh, Hala definitely is the I would say she's the major goddess for the Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, um, I would agree. <clears throat> she's dark, um, and I think she's she's also they would always plant her in the garden, um, and she's um, identified with the hearth, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, she protects uh, the family. Yes, and, definitely. And, yeah. And and dark not to mean necessarily bad. There's a dark side to her, but definitely well, it's not all bad. Well, for sure. in, in heathenism or Germanic heathenism, the, um, uh, dark and light. Every right. every god or goddess contained aspects of both. There's no like good and evil. Right. Exclusively. Like we all are. Yeah. Exactly. Like that. Yeah, we all have that in us. It's yeah. more natural. Right. And, for uh, sure. Yeah. So. So is she accepted? I mean, I know, like from the Urglava framework, that she's a very important deity to them. But that's because of the Pennsylvania Dutch influence. Is she widely accepted in um, generally in heathenry? Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Hala, Holda, even Hell, H E L, yeah. um, and she has this uh, connection to uh, the underworld. Yes. And. Um, 
especially in Germany, very, very powerful. Um, although she's also in Scandinavia, Iceland. Um, but um, I, I, I still, we just gave away two large bushes that I rooted out. I just, I, I think I was trimming, I got some complaints about how large the bush was. So I just- From me? I forget who it was. It was me. <laughs> so I, I just <laughs> took the hedge thing and cut off. After asking permission. No. Anyway, yes. <laughs> I, gave, I gave them life, so they, they have to listen, they have to heed the master. Uh, so anyway, the, the branches were on the ground. This was like February, March or something before the leaves leaving, leafing. And I came back like a, several weeks later, mm. months later, and I saw some of the branches were, that were laying on the ground were starting to root out. So I just grabbed a couple of them and stuck them in a pot or the ground, and um, that's how we I got those bushes. And because um, she always throws out runners, I, I think that's why uh, Susan had so many of them because uh, they throw runners, yes. the roots, and uh, um, and then uh, you just disconnect it, and then you have an individual plant. So I still I, I started two new ones this year already, and we have. One or two from maybe more recently, we got discovered of some really large ones. Well, we we rehomed them because they're going to a really special place. My friend Sarah, Iron Rabbit Run. But it's really interesting because your clever wife thinks, oh, you know, we're just going to trim it back and it's going to be a lot Less easier, <laughs> a lot easier to maintain. But the truth is, in fact, it actually only became more prolific the more you cut it, the more it grew. Right. It's um. It's it's an easy it's an easy grow. Yeah, it really really is. I mean, yeah, like anybody can grow it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, very very true. So thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us about about elder. Um, I, I actually asked my other guests. Well, here's some echinacea. I oh, started. Nice. Um, well, I didn't start them. I just saw that they were there. <laughs> because like that's a lot easier to yeah you definitely um sarah was very impressed with our garden you definitely have the green thumb um not for germinating seeds though so <laughs> just well what i've been asking everybody is do they associate in their experience this is all about your personal experience with the plant yeah. or and or the okay. deity right okay. do you associate an animal with the plant because i know rob yes. when i did the art i did the distal thing yeah. for him but what would you say you associate the deer oh right yeah. tell me about that yeah uh, like on we had this field that went back it was on the floodplain, and uh it went back they did they stopped farming the field because it, mm. it was flooding right and they, they do this a lot here in Berks County where they they, they farm into the wetlands mm. and sometimes they pay the price but it, they also very the soil is very good but anyway so this field went back and um, young trees sprouted up and it was returning to the wild and um, I found there was elder there and not only was there elder there but you would go in and there was like this circle that was worn down. Wow. Evidently, this is where the deer went to um, to hunt. And um, so I always had this association with that 
and with the with the elder. Again, my own experience with these plants. Right. That's my strong point. Not such a great scholar. Right. But I've had some experience with that. No, that's really interesting. I thought you were going to say that they eat the berries. No, there would be thousands of hoof prints. Wow. And and it was like in a circle. Wow. Around I think one of the elders. That's really really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, wow, this is the way the field should remain. That's amazing. Yeah. So, And that was along the socketing, uh, which is where I got a lot of my experiences from these uh, streams. Here, the one is the Manitoni. Right. Very similar, very similar. Yeah, the Manitoni is a very special place. So the Saucony, um was in Sullivan County? No, the Saucony. Oh, that was in Clitztown yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. Richmond, Richmond Township. Richmond Township, gotcha. Okay, because I thought you were it talking about... It goes from Clitztown, like from Bowers, out to Virginville. Bowers. That means little bears. Yeah. So then what do you do when you harvest your elder? Um, our birds really enjoy it, but then when you, when you harvest it, you like to make syrup. No, well, I mean, I'd like to make jam. <laughs> it's so tricky. It is very, I don't know. Do you think it's because we, like, jam is it always vegan, right? Like, what's the problem? It's just tricky. No, no, it was a problem. Before. Uh, it, I don't know. It's tricky to make jam. If I knew the answer to that question, <laughs> we, would, uh, we would be making jam. Yeah. It's something to do with the, uh, the uh, what is that stuff? Sure, sure, sure stuff? Sure gel. Sure gel. And the amount of sugar, yeah. But the the taste and the color. Can you describe the taste if nobody's ever if if they've never had it before? Because you don't know if I can describe it. You, it's very distinct. Very yeah, uh, it has a very distinct taste. And the color. Oh, the color is just absolutely the beautiful. Just beautiful. And um, so you know when you you pick the berries, and they they're in like a branch with it's like a. A cluster of grapes, like on a yeah, and then you um, you remove the the blackberries from the the stems, and then you just have those, and they're very tiny. And then you um, see what do you do? Oh, we, you cook it. Right. You cook it because otherwise it's mildly, supposedly mildly poisonous. So I think <laughs> it, it contains a little bit of cyanide or something. Um, and then after you cook it, then it's fine. After you just cook it that initial right. time, it's fine. Then you, I think you, you strain out the mm -hmm. seeds until yeah. you just have the, uh, the juice. Right, right. And then you bring it back to a boil and you add the sure gel and the sugar and then you um, put it into jars. And yeah. Just all the timing is very critical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, actually, there's a car. Rob was talking about his great aunt making elderberry pie, and I thought, I wonder if you've ever had that. That sounds like something we should experiment with. That sounds really no, good. No, my mother made, a, and she did it on a, a coal stove. Wow. Kitchen coal stove they had. And um, cooking on that, those things are, phew, I love those things. Uh, um, it's like, uh, they even heated hot water with them. Wow. Yeah, they, they got it to be very sophisticated and the way things are going here we might get one. <laughs> uh, I never I mean your mom was such an interesting person from what I've heard. Like she was she was a hunter but she also did things like making jam. I mean that's a very laborious 
process. Process. Yeah. Kids love it. No, I just she mean it's a lot of work, the canning of it all. So that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, she didn't even use the lids. They just poured the uh, wax over. Oh, the... really? Oh, that's so cool. And uh, that's how she did it. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah, it was like uh, this time of year. Like yeah. Then, or maybe, no, no, I guess it was a little, July, a little later. July or whatever. July. Yeah. And, um, you know, for like summer vacation. Right. Your mom did it all, though. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. She was a hell of a... She, she, she was known as the Purple Lady. Oh, and the Elder. Oh, I never put that together. She was called the Purple Lady. Wow. She drove a purple station wagon and, listened, and had a purple purse. And wore purple makeup and had pur uh, purple <laughs> fingernails. How did she get a purple station wagon? It was a Ford LTD and it had air conditioning. And, they uh, made it in purple. Eight track stereo. Uh, <laughs> well, those eight track players. And she would get on the highway and stick in a, a eight track. And back then the interstates were kind of brand new. Yeah. And so she would get so, she'd be doing like 70 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, like She'd get so into the music. She'd go right by the exit. <laughs> <It> <laughs> sounds she'd be familiar. going up the wrong way. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you get, you know, that's something about driving and listening to music on, on, on a highway that's just so wonderful. And, you know, you definitely get into like a trance. That's very like cool. Herb Albert and the I was wondering, what was she listening to? That's so funny. She liked the Supremes. So. Oh, nice. The Supremes are supreme. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. She yeah. was a hell of a lady. Yeah, she really was. It's very, very cool. She was a wonderful artist. She yeah. was a wonderful hunter, apparently. And then she also had, you know, the yeah. jam. Yeah. I was her, awesome. I was her favorite till I went to the dark side. Till you went to the TP. <laughs> Yeah. Did she learn things like that from her, like mother and grandmother? Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, uh, she, they, she, they, my father and mother were out of Reading. Reading was like a different town. It was like a very Pennsylvania Dutch town. And yeah. Uh, it had like I think like seven or eight breweries. Wow. Had the train. It was quite a town. It had a lot of. It was. It's, it, it's a very cool place, like just the Strange geography stuff. of it, and and you know the pagoda just in and of itself, like and that whole area, like where um, Sarah's place is, it's very very wild. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for you're chatting very, with us, and you're very welcome. It, it could really just picture all of the things that you were describing. Very very beautiful. I love that association with the deer. That makes a lot of sense to me, um, especially with the tree idea. Yeah, very good. So. Thank you so much, Hunter. You're very welcome. And best wishes for your jam to Shergel. <laughs> yes. We'll see you at the Folk Festival. Whatever it's called. Yeah. And you know what? I have to say, like, it took me, I'm very stubborn. It took me several, several years to warm up to the Elder. But now that I have, I just love it so much. I love it a lot. So, well played, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. Mark's good. Bye. Hello. Hey, Hello. Sir Rob. How you doing? Hi.
Hi, how are you? Hi, uh, how hi. How are you doing? Hi, Gigi King, so, Jelly Bean, how are you? <laughs> I wish. Sorry, I'm, I'm still hot. stuck in school. I'm, I'm still stuck, I know. I'm still stuck in school <laughs> mode. Well, I miss school mode. I miss little babies and teaching stuff. To them. Oh my gosh, where are you? Where are I'm you walking, right now in the world? I am walking through Spurline Park in Bristol. Oh, oh I miss Bristol a lot. <laughs> I, I know, it's so strange. Like, you know, here I am in your it old hometown. It's so funny. It's so you know, funny, Rob. Here, your old hometown is the headquarters of World War. That is so wild to me because it was so boring when I was growing up there. Why didn't we you come a few years earlier? <laughs> you, you should have been here during the when we had the buggy races, the, all the buggy pull this year, oh, last year. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, uh, I just, it's such a special place. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's, it, honestly, uh, I I really like living here, and it's it's yeah. um it's actually getting more. It's, it's it's becoming more and more. I don't know if you've been down. Oh, you were down here a few months ago, right? Um. I just came a few weeks ago. We stopped by, like, for a visit because we miss it so much. We came from the beach and stopped by to visit. So did you see all the changes at Grundy? And yes, Grundy I was really excited. That's very, very cool. Yes. Yes, like, I know. Wow. You know Good things are happening ice- in Bristol. Yesterday we had ice cream at the uh, at the new ice cream store on Mill Street. And I saw your I clothes. Yeah, I couldn't decide, so I had both. And, uh. Gluttony. Gluttony. <laughs> so welcome back to the show, Rod. It's so nice to have you here. Please introduce yourself briefly for our audience and the people listening. Um, you're a little bit about yourself and your background, please. Okay. My name is Robert Le Shriver. The actual name is Lush. The Shriver is an accident that came from the word for writer in Pennsylvania Dutch being interpreted as my last name by the Trost back in 2009. And it, <laughs> there, it became my... Uh, my author's name. Um, I'm the founder of Orglova. I'm currently the president and CEO of the Troth, which is the largest uh, inclusive heathen organization and oldest out there. Um, but only for one more month because my my term's up and I'm not I'm not running again because I have to focus on Orglova and Distal Think Tip Shop and uh, all sorts of things there. Plus, um, I also became Troth clergy in November to add to being Distal Think clergy. What else? Uh, I founded Henry Teen Prison Services, um, and uh, I'm I, the senior manager of Heathens Against Hate, and there's probably a whole bunch of other things. Oh, yeah, I'm also the proprietor mm-hmm. of Who Gets Heathen Hawk. So I got a lot of titles and no time. Yeah, right. And another wonderful contribution Rob has given our community is you used to teach language classes at Christtown. So a lot of people know you that way. I know I've had some friends at Kutztown that had taken your class. No, really? I mean, you know, that class I really love teaching. I'm I'm actually trying to convince Bucks County Community College to let me teach it there. Yeah. uh, Because Uh, I'm taking classes there now. And and I would like to teach it there because – but I want to teach it more than once a week. One of the biggest problems that we had at teaching it at Kutztown was the fact that the textbook – was kind of it, it was it was it was still one of the best ones out there, but the spelling system was inconsistent. There was one word I can't remember which word it was now that was spelled three different ways in the book, <laughs> um, and uh, and the topics, you know, we need to, to. Not everybody lives on a farm so much anymore now, so right. you know, and we you know and nobody, and although at Kutztown, um 
the instruction took place in a one-room schoolhouse. Most of us don't go to one-room schoolhouses anymore, and um, and you know the boys aren't dipping uh, girls' uh, pigtails in the inkwell anymore. And so, <laughs> uh, I think we need updated things, kind of like they have in Shut Small Dice. But um, but yeah, things about surfing the internet, things about you know technical yeah. terms, about computers crashing. And by the way, on dicerai.com, I think yeah, dicerai.com. There is a, a, a ongoing list of words that are missing from the uh, from the dictionaries, the English and the Dice words, and I have a long list, and a lot of them are technical technical terms that I've used along with other people who spoke Dice over the years and with whom I work. So um, the language wow, that's is that. amazing. Um, yeah, for sorry. sure, it's living and and alive for sure. Um, it's not even sure. on life support. So, as long as, as, long as no, I'm alive, the language is going to be alive. Yes, for sure. Because and I figure so once I go old and doddering, I'll get my accent back, and you know, that, got, <laughs> that got second graded away. You know, the lane, you know, the rain yeah. insane thing. thing. Um, yeah. But but uh, <laughs> I graded away. That's so funny. So so true. Oh my gosh. Well, we're homeschooling. We're full in, like fully off the grid with school, and we're loving it so much. But we're not second grading away anything. <laughs> Things are pretty wild true. around here. But um, speaking of which. So we have this amazing, my kid called the secret garden, um, and it's just shoots that have become so um, fruitful of the elder. Um, it yes. started as a cutting from Susan Huff that gifted it to Hunter, and he kept it in pots for a really long time in um, Philadelphia, and then when we moved here, he planted it. It was a small bush, I was told, and here we are. So I, I am, so I was so informed about Rahala, um through you guys through Urguava and um, I just love the way you told um, the, the story of her and what she does and, and how and I remember Ralph speaking about their interaction um, in the home with Rahala and it just spoke so deeply to me so I never really learned much um, by reading but more by experiencing her power and also then connected to the plants much later but I wanted to touch base with you because I've heard from people that both know Kahala or Holda very well, and then I've heard from people that know the plant very well. And I know that you have um, a, a relationship with both. And and I'd just like to, you know, give me a little bit of a tale of your, your experiences with both aspects. And um, it's been about 20 minutes that people are sharing um, their experiences. Of course, when I interviewed Elsa, it was like 20 minutes turned two hours because we just had a ball chatting about everything. But um, I just love, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Rob, was what was your first experience with both the plant and um, the deity? So okay. if you, went, you, you can take it any which way, but I'd love to hear that particularly as well. Okay, well, let's see. My very first experience with the plant was actually elderberry pie when I was a little kid. Uh, nice. Uh, um, well, you know, we Pennsylvania Dutch are the pie people, and um, and my great aunt had made some um, some elderberry pie, and uh, you know, like my mother grew up with elderberries, common you know, common uh, berries throughout the summer months and everything. Um, but uh, she she my great aunt had said things about like, oh, this 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 is a very special pie. This pie. This pie has like this pie will make you healthy. This like she would make comments about this particular pie, not realizing at the time 
um, that I was, you know, that she was referring to the berries and the spirit of the berries, I was thinking, well, well there must be something in this crust, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but um, that was my first experience with it, um, with that part aspect. And you see, in retrospect, I could see that what she was talking about was even if they didn't necessarily believe in the deity per se, they still knew of the power of the elder. Yeah. And, um, and and it was still a special plant in that regard. Um, now, my first experience with the deity, I actually don't remember the first time I really heard of her name because I've heard of it periodically through life, but I never took it in the context of a deity. Mm-hmm. It was first like the the the, the fairy tale kind of led thing. And then it was also the helpful entity aspect in Brachari and Hexari. And it wasn't until I was really, you know, until I kept hearing, and here's like a, go all woo, right, um, where, um, <laughs> where I began to realize that I was hearing the, the call of multiple deities, and I really didn't understand what it was. And I've probably told this story to you before, but I'll, I'll tell it again, um, that and I'm walking past a whole bunch of geese right now, and they're all looking at me because they know I'm talking about home. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I was on vacation in Naples, Florida, at my parents' uh, house down there. And um, and I said, you know, I want to go to, the, I go to a bookstore because I, I know I'm feeling the presence of multiple of multiple deities. And I so I went and bought, like, what is the rough equivalent of Hinduism for dummies. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Like some book like that. And I, I, because that was the only religion that I knew of, you know, was polytheistic. And so as I was reading it, the author was of Norwegian descent and she mentioned Asatru. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. So I went out to Google and looked it up. Oh, okay. And so I ordered Diana Paxson's Essential Asatru. And um, when I got Diana Paxson's uh, essential acid true. I was reading the book and then all of a sudden it was like, it was like, it was like a kick on my butt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we have all this in our own culture. These are the helpful entities, you know, like, bah, you know, <laughs> um, and then after that, I started, once I opened my mind to that, I started having dreams and feeling like, like a lot more, you know, a lot more enveloped by everything. And yeah. it, it was Hola who was the the first deity to reach out to me, and um and it it's it's actually in a way it, it may not be as um as peculiar as that might have seemed to me a few years ago because of what is Hola's loyal servant's name Eckhart, my mother's mm-hmm. maiden name is Eckhart, and no. um and um yeah my mother's maiden name is Eckhart. And when I was younger, oh. I wanted to change my name. To, my, my, I wanted to change my name to Eckhart. And, uh, oh, wow. and like uh, when I was looking at books that I had bought in private, when I was in private school, they had the name Eckhart on them. And, um, oh my and, gosh. Yeah, and and that's kind of funny. Plus, my middle name is Christopher, and I am not that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the bearer of Christ, but I am the right. bearer of Hola. So I want to actually eventually change my middle name to Eckhart. Wow. And so I, I think, yeah, I think that, I think that 
one of, one of one of the primary beliefs that I have is that the old gods and goddesses never gave up on us, even when we didn't listen to them so much anymore. They were still playing a role in our lives and our faiths, just like our ancestors were, you know. And I don't right. think that it's an accident that the Pennsylvania Dutch were, you know, pushed out of Europe before the shit really hit the fan. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Pardon that to your listeners. I, you know. No, no, no. Trust me. You know how I talk, Rob. You're fine. <laughs> right. But I mean, but I mean, yeah. The Thirty Years' War was, you know, it was mm. extremely destructive. You know. Yeah. And as was the Seven Years' War, and by the time that we got over here and that our culture was allowed to flourish, it's, you know, it it brought things over here, you know, that that might have otherwise perished in Europe. And that's right. what makes us. Yeah. That's what makes us unique. Yeah. So that's, yeah. One of my favorite. One of my favorite things that Mike, Michael, Michelle Warner has said to me, or actually he said it to Hunter, um, is when he comes over here, it's like going to a museum of his ancestors because a lot of it was so destroyed in Germany, um, but that it's so intact here, and he can he can like really connect in that way. Yes, and uh, and I'm very happy for his effort and it's kind yeah. of because without him there's a lot of things that we might not be achieving like quite yeah. honestly we should be achieving on our own anyway yeah you know yeah we really we are a large ethnic group and coupled mm-hmm. with german uh, german american we're still the largest ethnic group in the country you know and so why is there no programming on television in our language why is it so difficult to find places to learn it and um and that's up to us to assert ourselves. And um, and that's kind of what one of the purposes of World Lava is, is to, you know, make, you know, make an opportunity for this treasure of a culture to exist and to be, you know, and, and, and to embrace and be embraced by anybody who's interested in it. You know, and, yeah. and our, our deities call to a lot of different people. This isn't about race or anything like that. What it's about right. is a certain way of living that's very close to the land and very holistic with the environment and life around us. And um and that is one of the essences of Hola. You know mm-hmm. you know, as the overseer of cycles, particularly cycles of life, death and rebirth, and also as a goddess of the whirlwind and tornadoes, by the way. Um mm-hmm. it's and uh, to to credit Ralph Young um, with uh, of helixes and spirals. Um, yes. And we're we're looking at a goddess who's most interested in human evolution, evolution of the mind, evolution of the the self, and of the community. And that's where I think that Hola's first orders came to me, and really began to create the community that eventually became known as Orwala. So wow, that's, that's those, my, those are my first uh, first things with Hola. And, you know, her consort, Holer, otherwise known as Epicure Jaeger, I remember reading about him in a Reader's Digest book when I was a kid. And oh. um, and I still have the book. Um, it, it wasn't quite the full story that I gleaned from the interviews that I've done with uh, Barack Ryan Hexfry practitioners and other people in my family. But it's, it was it was close enough that you got the you know you got the sense of the enormity of, of her consort and you know, her he 
Evgeny Yeager's name is like going around like crazy. It seems like our deities capture attention and begin to make themselves known periodically. At first, it was Hala, then it was Caesar, and then, and um, and I think that that's probably the way that most polytheistic religions find you know find growth. But um, yeah, sorry, I took off on the tangent. Oh no, that's wonderful. Um, I was just thinking about the podcast, and I'm it's escaping me. Is it Holocaven? Um, like, it's I uh, yeah, uh, Holocaven. Help me. Uh, yeah, that, um, because that's podcast. Ralph did an amazing job, and that was <laughs> the timing of it too. It was so so wonderful to sit with it and really, you know, time was standing still at the time for us, and um, really be able to absorb that, but so eloquently spoken and, and described and you felt like you were experiencing it. It was really cool. But it's so funny because when I talked to Ilsa, like we were talking about how I kept pushing myself to try and connect, like particularly because, uh, you know, I've always been like agnostic, but pagan, I would call myself leaning for sure. But I'm trying to connect as a way to deepen my relationship with my husband, who is a very proud heathen and trying to connect to a goddess that felt comfortable and and I just couldn't. And it's funny because Hola just felt very natural for me, but I kept putting her, like, aside, like, well, she's not one of the, like, um, goddesses that that I should be connecting to. But all the time she was there, you know, the whole time. And it's funny because Elsa really reframed it. And I didn't realize the association, and I apologize for this. I'm sure you all have talked about it. But, you know, I do have ADHD, and I'm usually quite distracted um, about her association with um, being a mother and milk and, and things of that sort. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, that, like, blew my mind because it, like, made so much sense to me. Um, so I was always trying to connect with Sprig, um, and it just wasn't there. And it's like, no. it's I just I just remember, I don't know if it was you, Michelle, or Ralph saying, um, you know, sometimes you don't choose your deity, they choose you. And it felt very, very much like that. And I was super resistant as I am. But it's, it, there's always been this like warmth, and um, I can come back to it, you know. I actually think that that, that what we call we know Sprig as Pride, okay? Right. That's the that's yeah, the name yeah, that yeah. we have for her. And I'm not quite sure that you and she have not have <laughs> fully met each other yet, um, because I can, <laughs> I can definitely see I can definitely see I can definitely see that you apply many of her um of what of her attributes in your just your daily living. And um because yeah. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I tell people, like even in the Norse lore, but it applies in our lore from Thrive versus Frigg, the one of the biggest things in all of it is the concern with the wording of the home and the protection of the home. And this yeah. applies to whole also whole is more the order of the home. Thrive is more the security of the home. And the biggest, the big thing with that is, if you do not have a safe place to rest your head at night, your life is going to suck. You, you know, um, you could be out changing the world all you want, you know, like like her husband, you know, boot on her Odin, you know, off changing the changing the world, making, you know, making everything happen, but if without that safe place to rest ahead. You can't mm-hmm. change anything. So the home and security and a safe place to rest your head, those are mm-hmm. things that I associate strongly with Thrive and with Frigg. 
And those are the things that I think are eventually going to lead you to get to know her um, because that's something that you concern yourself with very much. And, um, I'm on the, <laughs> yeah, I'm on the really long path, Rob. What's that? It's taken me, it's taken me about 10 years to get here, you know? It's like on the real long hey, trajectory. I'm a listen, persistent person. <laughs> how, how many decades old was I before, before I realized that, that the, uh, that the old gods and goddesses were still talking. And I was I know, in my 40s. I know. You know. Me too. Yeah, here we are. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, how now I'm in my 50s. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you look so good. Good for you. It, it, it looks good on you, my friend. But it's so yeah. funny because I think I finally got my son on love. It's finally here at 41. I'm very excited. Now I can focus on some other things. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, but all the... <laughs> The sum of all the things that we did and didn't do when we were younger end up actually mm. end up actually contributing to our ability to understand the deities today. It's so yes. strange when I stop and yes. think about it. Like I think to myself, you know, why did I waste all those decades, you know, mm. you know, pursuing in about this theories and blah blah blah. Right. And right. you know, eventually only only to go and, you know, have myself removed from the church roles and to you know, and to um, and to to break my to break my uh, baptism, you know, because right, right, and, and and why did I do that? But I learned something right. about that. It's like you know, if you're doing the wrong thing or if you're on the wrong path, sometimes you gotta you know you gotta go and fix what you did first, undo it, mm. fix it, whatever, before you just move on. Like I could not just move on from having had a Christian identity. To having, had, you know, had a Christian identity nominally while being spiritually heathen, to being heathen without undoing that baptism, and um, that was that was one of the, as far as I know, Orgolov was the only denomination heathenry that has an unbaptism right. Um, oh but, wow! Uh, but it's important because, in a sense, I took a, an, a, an ill-informed oath to Yahweh and you know or to Jehovah. And um, and I needed to clear that off my books because, you know, otherwise I'm still uh, I'm breaking oath, and so right. I'm gonna clear that out a long time ago. And, wow, um, that's amazing. I don't know how I got, how I ended. See, the ADHD can also be helpful. One hundred percent. But one hundred percent. I just don't remember how I got from point A to point B there. But um, no worries. I you know what my favorite part is, and it's so funny because there's this silly this is silly um, couple online called the Holderness family, but the husband has ADHD and he says it's a superpower, but it's a hyper-focus. And it's, it's so interesting because you don't, you know, if you only go through like a school or education framework, you never hear about the, the amazing things and aspects that can come with ADHD. But the hyper-focus is a real gift, actually. Um, you just have to find the thing that you care about, you know, and for right now, my two of my children, that I do believe have it um, are still finding their thing, but it's it's a beautiful thing when you find it and you're able to focus in that way. It's just amazing. And it's like a trance, you know. And it's 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 similar in a way to how I teach. You know, I, mm. I teach I teach. You know, I'm a teacher with I have students with uh, behavioral challenges that can't usually can't make it in a normal classroom environment. And um, but part of my role was to find out what does work for them. And, you know, right. and, and, you know, I mean, I had one student that was obsessed with Oprah Winfrey 
And for oh. a few months, we were doing Oprah-based math, Oprah-based reading, Oprah-based grammar. Oh. You know, we were using Oprah magazines and and that's uh, amazing, Rob. And, you know, he wrote letters to her as part of his writings. And, you know, I mean, so yeah, um, oh. sometimes you have to go with a hyper focus. And oh, eventually yeah. he outgrew oh, yeah. it. Eventually he outgrew it. Like... And my son right now is obsessed with Microsoft Windows ninety five, so I cannot wait for the outgrowth. But he is all things we're homeschooling, all things are Microsoft Windows and it's painful for me because I'm an Apple girl. <laughs> oh. I can it. actually I can actually <laughs> tell you a related story. Okay. Uh, one of my students I was transferring to one of the local high schools and I was accompanying him there. And this kid was kind of a computer genius. And he managed mm. to hack through that school's security systems and all their <gasps> all their computer all their computer security stuff just so he could install the opening sounds of every version of no. Windows, particularly Windows oh. ninety five. And um That's my son. <laughs> so he would just sit there and watch the opening window yes, and the music yes. from Microsoft Windows and I was like, Listen, I said, if you're gonna do this if you're gonna do this then you have to at least play XP for me because Oh my God! Like I was a Windows XP guy. If I was any Windows guy, I'm a Mac guy too. And, uh, oh my and, gosh, that's but, so funny. You know, so you know, this kid's a this kid's like a, a genius, I and mean, he also once hacked a bank and got you know got all these checks sent to his house. But uh, oh my gosh, yeah, the, the feds so just depend, so, the feds descended upon our school once. Anyway. Oh my gosh, it's so funny what calls them. It's just like. I mean, I, I was trying to explain to him that actually being inside the operating system of Windows 95 is not going to be a pleasant experience. And he's like, well, I want to use it. Like, there is no, um, like, and it's actually, for me, it's really cool because I'm a creative and it's just neat to see his brain, like, not, like, have any, there's no, there's no boundaries. There's no restrictions. Like, well, what do you mean I can't use Windows 95 right now? Like, he just doesn't think like that. He does not think um, in a world of restrictions, you know? Which is really cool. Or linearly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah exactly. Yes. Which brings yeah, us back to Hola because Hola is definitely in the, Hola is a Hola is a goddess of cosmic kind. Berta, her sister, mm. even more so, because um, Berta is kind of like our equivalent of Father Time. But um, right. But uh, it's because um, yeah, time is time is only linear for those of us who are stuck in this plane. But right. You know, yeah. You know, Hunter Junior is there. His mind is not stuck in this in this plane and so he's no, not able to create new wonders and those are the people if they're given the tools to be able to take their dreams and turn them into realities those are yeah. the people who are going to eventually figure out how to escape linear time yeah, yeah it's amazing you know? yeah even just like um so much closer to like the spirit world and and really connected to that and and, and there's no hesitation with you know, discussions about that, no fear of dying or losing anybody. You know, the gods take us in the forms that we come to them. And, yes. you know, it's, it's not, they, we're never going to get the children to understand what their place in the universe is if we yes. don't welcome them as they are. And, you right. know, we can certainly set some expectation and everything. But, you know, what I got to tell you, you know, when I was student teaching, and the the, the 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 cooperating teacher seemed to think that, that that children that it was natural for children to sit up upright with their feet flat flat on the floor and their hands crossed mm. and falling. I never sit like that. You know. No, that's insane. I don't. I can't think like that. Or you know, no. like 
when she, she told me that one of the students was standing up to cut something with scissors, and I should tell him to sit down. I'm like, I can't cut sitting down. Why would I tell him? No. To yeah, I was like, I, I have to stand up when, I, when I'm cutting. Otherwise, I'm circuiting my right and my left, you know? And it's like, yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, so a lot of a lot of what we knew growing up is wrong, and uh, and um, or mis misguided perhaps. And um, right. but I think that this is another one of Holmes' things is leading us to a a more open discussion about just how amazing and splendorous and bizarre and spooky and scary and wonderful life can be. And uh, yeah, and it's. Yeah, it, it, it's it, life's not safe, but you know you can live live it in fear, you know, or you can mm-hmm. you can live it to try to, you, know, you can li- live in it for this, you know, deprive yourself of all the joys of life in order to have a better afterlife, um, where you might you might end up in heaven, you might not, or you know that, that's a gamble I don't want to take, or right. you can live life you can live the best life that you can live now. And keep the, the you know make the world better for those who are to follow because part of you is coming back again. You want to have the world be you know nicer for you when you come back than it was when you were here. So I mean, yeah, those are areas that Hull is very concerned with. Yeah, and uh, and particularly that last one of of, of the return of the the return of of the higher self, and possibly the Galek and a few other uh, you know there's a couple uh, actually three or four. Parts of the of the soul that we see as being possible to come back in a different soul construct. It's still part of you, but it but each soul construct is precious and unique and to be treated like what it is. It's one in one in all of existence. And then when you die, you come part of you comes back, but it's in a different soul construct. So that's just as precious and just as unique. And these are lessons that 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 that, that Hola teaches us to be compassionate with ourselves and. You know, yeah. and with others, because that's the sort of thing that, and you know, we're all in the same cycles. And while the Eastern religions have a tendency to try to get us to escape the physical, we're here to control the physical and help it help it to to expand and to you know to thrive, so that the at the end of this cosmic cycle, we are where the gods were at the beginning of it. And right. I, whenever I say gods, I say goddesses. Also, it's something that Dutch we use the back form word Siva, which refers to deities, male and female, goddess and goddesses, or non-binary or whatever. Because um, uh, the true nature of divinity and of deity is really not fully understood by any of us, I don't think. Right, right, for sure. I don't know, no, that's that's a, I don't know if that diatribe there helped you at all, but it sounded good. I mean. No, it's perfect. It's wonderful, because I think you just kind of expanded upon what Elsa and I have gotten started on, um, but then, you know, we we were touching up because we never really listened to the phone before, so it was nice to have that clarity, especially um, coming from you, because I think in our first interview, we didn't talk too much about Hala, and um, I think that's really interesting, because I'm a person who suffers from really bad anxiety, so I think also in that way, um, sometimes I'll just feel like, like I'll call for help, and it'll just like, a, you know, a blanket of compassion and and um it's almost like it's almost like being wrapped up in like a sensory burrito, you know? I don't know how else people won't know what I'm talking about, but when you're a sensory seeker, um yeah, I know what deep, you mean, yeah. Deep, yeah. Deep compression really helps to soothe the 
oh gosh, what is it? The parasympathetic. Yeah, parasympathetic. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like that. And, and in times of deep fear, I will call for help and it happens. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's been a wonderful experience for me. But as you mentioned, like I wasn't open to it for a long time. So once I opened to it, it was, it was, um, it was there all along, but I hadn't, you know, you have to open yourself to things. And, you know, even if you're not particularly a, even if someone is not particularly a spiritual person or religious person, if you just mm. stop and just like, like right now, you just go outside and just look mm-hmm. at the day, look at the sky, look at the trees, listen to the birds, and like, you know, and the fact that we're able to talk to one another and understand each other and have conversations about these things is miraculous. There's nothing short of miraculous, even if there is no such thing as easy, which I, I quite firmly believe that there is. But even if there's not, it's still a an, an unimaginable wonder that life exists. That this is yeah, you know, and and that like that that two minds can come together and talk about such things and find comfort in one another, find inspiration in one another, or even get pissed at one another. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it, these are the miracles that are before us every day, but we're so distracted by the modern day giants, you know, like, you know, giants typically seem to refer to like weather things and things like that, old age or whatever, but, you know, we have, you know, all the, you know, our modern day depictions of giants, like, you know, um, apathy and ignorance and rootlessness and, Unenlightened self-interest and things like that. Those, those are the, the things that plague our society, and that mm. you know, and that keep us from being able to enjoy the miracle that is right before us every minute of every day. And um, you know, you have to get your work done, of course. But most of us are just so weighed down by insecurities and things like that that getting that you know that sensory burrito is really important. <laughs> And um Yeah, very it, true. It really is. And I, I think that that if there's any one takeaway that I could get people to have, it's like, yeah, we all you know and don't feel bad if you got if you got you know, problems that you're dealing with, you know, don't feel bad about feeling bad about them because that's part of you know, that's part of existence. But also don't let you know, don't let the good moments pass you by too much because yeah. those are the moments that life are made of. You know, but again, you know, the good and the bad, struggles every day, health problems, everything, we all have them. And I don't know, you know, COVID certainly put us through the pace of that. But, mm. you know, but life is still an amazing thing. Yeah, definitely, especially when it gets warmer out. It's just been really enjoyable to be outside and just, you know, the gift that came from the traumatic experience of, like, COVID lockdowns and stuff is really just slowing down. And I don't want to see back up, Rob. <laughs> I'm just like... I really enjoyed the slowing down and the appreciating those moments that really, um, especially the things that we couldn't do for a while and now we can do again. So, oh, yeah, that, there is that. There is that, but also, you know, the, the, the saddest thing in that is that some people didn't learn. Like they learned for a while, but then we went right back and you know, that which is that you know, the old normal was abusive to many, many, many millions of people, and yes. um, and going back to that. And, you know, and, and imagining like, like we haven't learned anything like during the height of COVID, who were the people that mattered the most? The doctors, nurses right. and the and the store workers. They were the yep. one, like, you know, without them. And now people are back to treating the, you know, the, the, the people in the stores like, you know, like crap or 
whatever, and we're yeah. about CEOs and models. Well, you know, CEOs and models, then you know, the, the, when, when, when it got down to the real hammer time there, you know, let's not forget the uh, let's not forget the people who really counted when it mattered. So. Absolutely, that's so true. Yeah, and of course, immunocompromised people—they're <laughs> just like yeah. hello. So I yeah. 100% agree with that. Um, you know, I was hoping that people would learn, and it seems it's like a psychological term though for it. I mean, people just completely fatigued from it, but um, it doesn't excuse the behavior and the lack of empathy. Once again, it's sad to see, but. Um, tell us how we can um, learn more about Urglava and maybe if particularly you have something about Frahala and okay. you did, oh, you know what? And you and you went to visit Frahala Tech, I went to visit, in Germany. Well, I went to I went, well, Jim, we have We have Hollis Place here in Pennsylvania, Hexenkopf, but I did yes. go to Hollis Tech in, in, yes. in Germany. And the funny thing is the energies between the two are actually very similar. And, um, That's what I saw when your post. Somebody mentioned that, and and you had mentioned that too. That's so cool. Let me tell you uh, where people can find more about Orglova is uh, particularly on Facebook. There is a group that's called Orglova, U R G L A A W E, um, and uh, also on Discord. There's one by the same name, um, and then uh, we have Ralph's podcast, Holdus Haven, um, and. Uh, on orglova.net, which is also known as orglova.blogspot.com, we have uh, all of our issues of the back, of back issues of Polar Bear Hoff, um, the our online journal that people can download for free, um, and uh, the Deitch Mythology blog, D-E-I-T-S-C-H, space mythology, that's a search term, or deitchmythology.blogspot.com, that's where a lot of the myths and, and, and things that I've together from interviewing people um my interview count is now up to 169 um wow. and, uh and uh from across the state and outside of the state including in canada and um other states throughout the u.s um and uh there's, so there's a lot of stories up there that's where a lot of our mythology is um and we're working on an or global one-on-one book we completed the deitch the deitch room which uh very small population that used them. I think that they, they, they somebody had gotten a hold of some theories of the old uh, Elder Sweet Park long long ago, and somehow came up with our own system that was really badly broken. But we reassembled it, reconstructed it, and now we're using it regularly. Um, and uh, and you know we have events that we you know put on Pagan Pride Day. We have, I guess I should mention I'm also the founder of Philadelphia Pagan Pride. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, so we're, and Pride Church. I'm not the founder of that, but one of the managers. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there for people who want to learn it. Um, we, we're, we've been working on a huge one-on-one book, but it's so big that I think it actually got away from us. And um, so I think we might have to tear it down a little bit in order to, to get it finished. But our rune book should be coming out as a, as a separate little, you know, booklet first. And um, hopefully that will be done. We're, we're actually hoping to get that done within the next month. So. Um, oh, wow. Well, that's incredible, it, It's actually, it's actually pretty much, it's just like the final touches. We're actually having to, hoping to have it before Trost move, which is, you know, like the weekend of the 2030. Yeah. I don't know if we will, but we're hoping. So, um, and uh, so yeah, so there's, there's a lot of places to check, and um, and yes, and the the, the connections between Germany and um, and uh, Pennsylvania are there's a, they're fairly thick with a lot of, you know, a lot of differences, pop, you know, possibly just from 
the fact that the Pennsylvania population is a result of you know many different streams of Germans coming together and living in the same area and leveling off. Mm. But you know it's also the evolution of what happened when it was unfettered here. Um, yeah, and uh, some perspectives like you know like they there's a tendency I I I, I they have good a good cause for this that Holy and Berta are the same deity, but our Lord specifically mentions them as sisters. And um and, and much of our Lord does have you know, Hola being one side of a yin almost like a yin and yang thing from a dyke's perspective where Hola is one side and Berka is the other and um and complementing one one another throughout the cycles and it's it's uh it's it, that's an interesting study just in itself. Um, you know, wow. if uh, people are interested in old global tools we do have a Smith who's been working a lot Stacy Stewart, my colleague, has been you know, increasing our artwork tremendously, and um, and of course we have Rachel Yoder, who's a fantastic artist who does a lot of things within our theme. Um, you you ought to get to know her; she's pretty cool, and she lives out in your area. So. But um, so. that's really so. cool, Rob. And if people are local, and even if they're not local, of course they can um, reach out to Obama. But so, if they're local, they can actually come out to yeah. different events and participate. Correct. And if they're not local, we uh we do have we have we have freeholds and sip shops in other states. Um and matter of fact a whole bunch of them are coming here to Pennsylvania in the end of June and they're gonna be here for a folk festival. That's why there's such a large group of us coming to the folk festival. Oh wow, really? Oh that's so yes, cool. Yes, we have some of the there's some of the leaders from the other states. And um and uh and that's that and and we are looking to you know to build into areas, and again, people don't have to be Deitch, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, if they get the sense of Orgualva, they're they're going to get the sense of Orgualva, and they'll they'll connect to the culture in just the ways that 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 the culture and the religious sense blend together anyway. You know, and, and right. it's not necessarily because it's the culture; it's because it's. I I don't know how to explain that properly. I think I misworded it, but the um, it's. There's a certain feel to it. There's a certain sense that we pursue, and um, you know we don't always achieve it because we are human and screw up. But um, anyway, and, and being human is difficult anyway. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I personally think I personally think most people try to do the right thing most of the time. The problem is that what the right thing is is very contextual and subjective. Right. And somebody may think that they're doing the right thing. And the other people look at it as being the wrong thing, and you know this goes back to this goes back to very fundamentals of Brachari and Hectorai. Like you know, if you're curing somebody of the ringworm, they're like, oh, you're you're helping me by curing the ringworm. But from the ringworm's perspective, they're like, hey, you're killing me. You know, so I mean, right. it, it's it's a you know the the the, the force of wart are weird, um, which mm-hmm. is our 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 uh, our perception of karma or our interpretation of something similar to karma within our lore um, is not easy to figure out because it itself is the universe trying to figure itself out or the multiverse yeah. trying to figure itself out. And um, it, while the multiverse is conversing with itself, it's getting into arguments with itself and sometimes what is, what is right and what is wrong is a matter of interpretation deliberation, whatever. But most people I do think are doing trying to do what they can the best that they can in the circumstances that that they have. And uh that's where I think that's where I take comfort in being human. 
Um, now, the people who aren't, they, they make me feel terrible about being human. But. Thank you so much, Rob. It's been so wonderful to talk with you. And Likewise. Always, um, your compassion and, is so palpable, and I wish I could give you a big hug right now, and I really miss you, brother. Well, there's a side of Bristol. You, you, know, you can visit while you're here. Uh, but, um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, And if you need me again, I'm happy to talk to you anytime. All right? Oh, thanks. Same here, buddy. I'll talk right, to you soon, okay? All right, bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye.